Hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today on our show, we're going to talk truth about Naomi Wolf and her MAGA apology, SVB, the big bank closure, domino danger or nick of time warning. The House, U.S. House that is, discovers CCP money went into the Biden family account. What are we going to do about it? And Trump J6 song. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Can we talk? Trying to fuss with our settings here at home because the <laughs> camera settings went away. I do not know why. But anyway, welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. You may have seen over the weekend that Naomi Wolf, who's just been an enormously consequential intellectual figure in America really for decades, uh, came out with a pretty darn amazing announcement, an amazing column. Naomi Wolf is a leftist of leftists. You know, she worked for the Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton campaign. She worked for Al Gore. Uh, she's a, you know, an Oxford, Yale educated person. She's a, just a, a total leftist um, and has um, really been um, outspoken and active for decades. She did recently decide that because she dove in and looked at the Pfizer documents, because she looked at the Pfizer documents related to the testing of uh, their COVID vaccines, she came to realize how much Pfizer had lied to the American people. So she's been on a roll about that. She's been putting statements out there. In fact, she has two uh, books out pretty much talking about the danger of what Pfizer has done, uh, and generally speaking, with the vaccines. Um, one she had is called uh, The Bodies of Others and New Authoritarians, COVID-19, The War Against the Human. The other one was a more recent, and it's just a, a downloaded book, uh, which I have and have been going through. Um, War Room Daily, uh, Clout, it's called Pfizer Documents Analysis Reports, um, found out what a Pfizer FDA tried to conceal. So she has kind of been moving over toward being uh, the honest side of media, but the big news about Naomi Wolf, the big news is just uh, wonderful, I think, a wonderful sign is that she posted a column in her own Substack. She has a very, very popular Substack in which she basically, she started out by saying she wants to apologize to America, conservatives and the MAGA movement. And she basically said she's come to realize that she, a just a prominent leftist for decades, has been lied to by left-wing media over and over and over again. That was her acknowledgement. She wrote a long column and she basically said, I've been lied to about January 6th, about President Trump. Uh, and she uh, went through a whole litany of things she was agreeing she had been uh, lied to about, um, including uh, because she saw the Tucker Carlson tapes, all of what January 6th was all really about. Her column's called Outspoken with Naomi Wolf as a substack. She was wrong about Russia collusion, wrong about the Steele dossier, wrong about Trump being responsible for January 6th, wrong about calling January 6th an insurrection, wrong about calling Trump as a Russian asset. And she specifically blames, specifically blames in her column, the left-wing media she reads, in particular, as she noted, NPR, New York Times, and MSNBC. People, this is so consequential because this is, I mean, and not just that one person is finally seeing it, because I'm beginning to feel some hope that the lies of the left are finally piling up too high, too deep, too wide, and that more and more holes are getting punched in all of the left-wing lies that America faces, and that, frankly, the American people are just going to completely stop believing the left. I am very hopeful about this. I don't know um, how far this will go, but it's significant that someone like Naomi Wolf, who is really, as she's the intellect, she's a really kind of a typical liberal intellect. You know, she's a, as I mentioned, Oxford person. She's a third wave feminist. She's a, just a really, really strident um, leftist, has been. And she's not just saying, oh, I got one thing wrong. She's saying the entire left-wing narrative really surrounding Trump, January 6th, 
COVID uh, that she was lied to, including uh, about whether Trump was a Russian asset, which we'll come back to later in the show. I find this kind of, uh, I, I'm very actually impressed by her, her honesty, because I think it's very, very, very hard for leftists to ever acknowledge this degree of having been misled. And I also hope it makes other people think, this makes other people uh, think that just maybe, just maybe there is a reason for them to question more and more of the left-wing media. I really hope that's true. I am, I'd be very excited if it were to be true, but I, and I'm just really grateful that she, because she put this out there, she's really realizing, in fact, she started her column out something like saying, I, I just, I can't not say this. I have to tell you what I've come to understand. And, and um, as one column on our website said, um, she was mugged by reality. The opening words of her column were, there's no way to avoid this moment, the formal letter of apology from me to conservatives and to those who put America first everywhere. So it's a pretty prominent thing. Uh, if you have read it, you can read it on our website or other places, but spread it around because I just think there's a, I sense in America, there's just a loosening of the stranglehold that the left-wing media has held on our country for decades. I mean, the left-wing media spinning lies, spinning stories that have nothing to do with reality. And I think this is just, it's just one person, but it's a very prominent person, a person who has followers uh, on the left, who is basically saying, you know, um, everything you've been told is a lie. Everything. In fact, she said, I don't like Donald Trump. In her column, she said, I don't like Donald Trump. And then she said, you know, maybe I don't even know if I like Donald Trump. I don't even know because of the way he's been depicted. So I, I thought it was very hopeful. And I do encourage uh, other people, other, um, you know, uh, people who think that the if they read the uh, NPR or the MSNBC or New York Times, that they're well-informed, maybe they will spread their wings too a little bit, look at other sources and figure out how much America has been misled, grotesquely misled by the propaganda media in this country. And that my very fine friend is today's first five. You know, actually there was a um, interesting thing. One other thing that uh, Naomi Wolf had to say in an in interview, I think it was a couple of years ago, it was, um, yeah, when was this interview? It was like in 2021, I think. Yeah, come in 2021, um, over uh, two years ago. She actually said in this interview um, that, and she's a former Clinton advisor, she said, the U.S. is becoming a totalitarian state before our eyes under Biden. And she was at that point just talking about the COVID regulations. But I, I think her words are prescient. And I think she and probably many others are starting to see them uh, coming to um, fruition, coming to um, that they really understand was what is happening to the country, which leads me to my next topic. I want to talk about the obvious huge, huge topic um, in the news over the weekend, the uh, failure of one of the most prominent banks in America, uh, Silicon Bank, Valley Bank, SVB. Silicon Valley Bank was shut down by regulators last Friday. I have a lot of points I want to make with you, uh, to you about this story because it's extremely consequential. But I want to say, uh, I'm going to tell you the story about what occurred there, what the, many of the factors are. Uh, and it was also a, a, in fact, Silicon Valley Bank was the one that had, um, uh, that was the 16th largest bank, but it was uh, in the country, 16th largest bank in the country. So it's a very large bank, you know, just living in the middle of the left-wing bubble in Silicon Valley. Um, and it was the second largest bank failure ever. So it was a huge thing the bank failed. And so we're gonna talk about them in a minute. Um, and I just wanna mention also some, some of the larger um, societal economic issues happening um, under the, because of this or what really caused this, as well as what happened at Signature Bank, which was also shut down by the end of the day last Friday. But I wanna start with just a little bit of entertainment kind of thing. I wanna start with a little clip I got uh, this morning uh, which you, from the movie many of us watch every Christmas season, um, of course, we, <clears throat> excuse me, we watch It's a Wonderful Life of Jimmy Stewart, and very near the beginning of the story is the, uh, the a run in the bank that he runs. So it's a run on the bank, little clip, I believe Amelia has ready, we'll play that and then we'll talk about it. Don't look now, but there's something funny going on over there at the bank, George. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of being a run. Now listen, now listen to me. I, I beg of you not to do this thing. 
If Potter gets a hold of this building and alone, there'll never be another decent house built in this town. He's already got charge of the bank, he's got the bus line, he got the department stores, and now he's after us. Why? Well, it's very simple, because we're cutting in on his business, that's why. Last year, when things weren't going so well and you couldn't make your payments, well, you didn't lose your house, did you? You think Potter would have let you keep it? Can't you understand what's happening here? Don't you see what's happening? Potter isn't selling, Potter's buying. Okay, that's one of the most famous scenes in, in that movie of many famous scenes. But Jimmy Stewart is trying to convince the people of Bedford Falls, don't just give in and don't let this bank collapse. And he's trying to encourage them, you know, how, how banking and money really works is you put your money in a bank, and but it's not like the bank is holding, you know, if you put $250 in, the bank isn't holding your money in a, a, a vault in the back. And so anytime you want it, you can just give it back to them. The bank is taking money in from many customers and it goes into the bank's holdings. And then the bank is able to make loans. And they, they obviously, the point of a bank of pooling your money is not just to keep your money safe, but it's to make a bank able to make loans to others. And so when he goes to your, your money's in his house and your money's in his house, this is the nature of banking. And the other kind of preliminary point about banking is not only does a bank not have everyone's deposit sitting in a special little box marked uh, Debbie Georgianis' saving. It doesn't have that. That isn't how it is. Um, but it's also the case that the banks for many years did business with um, the impetus to make decisions, making loans. They looked at the credit worthiness of the person making a loan. They looked at factors that relate to business, such as, you know, what is the business you're wanting to open? What is the likelihood you'll make profit on it? What is the reason that uh, you know this seems like a good investment? What is your your past you know behavior as a as a, a member of the community? They really want to make bank loans that are more or less likely to be reliable, likely to be repaid. That that's how bank loans are supposed to work. What's happened among many many factors? We're going to talk about a bunch of them. Is we've had many artificial factors put into place uh, in our economy today. Artificial factors that. A uh, contributed to what happened, Silicon Valley Bank contributed what happened um, as signature banks. Let me just start with, with the Silicon Valley Bank. Just like a run on a bank, which you were hearing Jimmy Stewart try to warn people about, Silicon Valley, and, and Silicon Valley Bank, to be clear, they make loans uh, probably to a lot of people, but they make loans to a lot of startup companies. They make loans that are kind of, that are, um, based on expectations about the performance of things that are not traditional businesses. It's not like people opening a new grocery store. And so you figure out how much the grocery store is needed in the community and what the prices are and how reliable the staff is. There are a lot of uh, loans made out of that bank uh, that are made with, you know, for people who are doing kind of new ideas and they're, they're not, um, you know, brick, brick and mortar type things. And then they had, I'm going to find the uh, thing I want to describe to you, kind of the sequence of what happened, but people are pointing to a variety of reasons that this bank failure occurred. Um, and what happened at last Friday was literally um, the, FD, the uh, uh, FDIC had to close down the bank. They've actually already transferred the assets. How this works is they shut down the bank because uh, it collapsed. During the business day, which was a huge thing, it wasn't like they waited till the business closed at the end of the day. But the federal regulators watched banks so closely, and they watched what's happening at the at this bank, and they thought these people are in trouble. The bank is going to fail; it's going to collapse. So FDIC took control of the bank. They've already created a new entity, which is called Deposit Insurance National Bank of Santa Clara, and so they, um, you know, they transfer the assets. But the bank doesn't have enough money, uh, obviously, because it doesn't sit your pile of money in the back, to pay all the depositors back for all the people who deposit money. They, they don't have enough money because no bank ever does. If, you, if any bank were forced in any one day to absolutely give back every single depositor, every nickel that they put in, they, they couldn't do it because that's not how banks function. What happened was there was a... Um, as I mentioned, the biggest bank failure um, since the New York collapse of the financial system in 2008, 16th largest bank. But uh, what occurred was um, the customers tried to withdraw. There was a note, there was a scrambling around uh, within um, Silicon Valley Bank. Customers tried to withdraw 42 billion, 
$42 billion in assets, about a quarter of the bank's total deposits, on Thursday alone. So the day before the failure, customers are scrambling. They're worried about the financial security of the bank. Just like Jimmy Stewart's customers, they show up and they want their money back. They're all trying to scramble and take their money back. And um, so, so day before that, customers tried to withdraw up to $42 billion. And, and they obviously couldn't uh, do that. They, they could not survive that. And so the, the Fed stepped in. But most amazingly, um, a regulator commented about this bank, a regulator, not the bank statement, a regulator said, as of Wednesday, they considered the bank to be in sound financial condition. The next day, one day later, it was insolvent. And so Number one, you know, we're going to talk a wide swath of reasons why, why the bank became insolvent and became really insolvent so quickly. Um, and then also, all these other factors that, that are kind of overarching factors impacting the way our economy works, impacting the way banks work, that are all at play here in this, um, in this situation with the bank. Uh, because number one, when people start to worry about banks, everyone's worried about, well, where's my money? What bank is my money in? Should I try to pull my money out of my bank because they're equally worried? So you have uh, what happened. So this whole, the bank, uh, the uh, Silicon Valley Bank has seized on Friday morning. By Friday afternoon, the uh, state regulators in New York had to shut down Signature Bank, which is the third largest bank failure in U.S. history. And this was driven by the Signature Bank thing in New York was driven by what happened in Silicon Valley. The Signature Bank. Um, Talked about they basically issued a statement talking about um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me people who were spooked by the sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Um, they had people in Signature Bank on Friday, so you know later in the same day, trying to withdraw up to ten billion in assets out of Signature Bank across the country because they're worried because they're worried about what happened at Silicon Valley Bank. So there's a run on deposits quickly led to this failure. And so that's what happened to Signature Bank. They fell apart too, um, because people did the same thing as was happening in um, Silicon Valley. Um, uh, so this, um, so it has this domino effect. That's why I called this segment, I think I called it uh, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, Domino Danger or Nick of Time Warning. Because what the, what the feds are trying to do, so they're looking at these two banks failing and say, okay, uh, you know, we've normally, as you know, there's a Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation (FDIC), and every year FDIC uh, announces how much they are insuring your deposits. They're there, so if a bank fails, people with money in that bank get a certain amount guaranteed by the federal government, guaranteed back to them. For many years, the FDIC guaranteed up to two hundred thousand dollars. So if you had, you know, a million dollars in the bank. And the bank collapsed, the FDIC would say, well, at least, which is Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, they will say, okay, well, we'll at least give you back 200000 So nobody is left, you know, completely dried. But in this case, because the feds are so concerned about this domino effect happening, they've already said, they have already said, Janet Yellen has said, they, the federal government, are going to insure the entire deposit, all the deposits of both Silicon Valley Bank and a Signature Bank in New York. So they're obviously, they don't mean just they're gonna meet the 200,000, actually now it's $250,000 um, is the federal standard. They say we'll guarantee up to, to uh, FDIC guarantees up to $250,000 in deposits. And now to try to avert a crisis and to convince people to calm down, don't worry about it, it's gonna be okay, uh, the federal government is saying, well, don't worry, we'll cover everything, everything. And so obviously they're insuring far above what the uh, what the, they're required to by federal law. And I, I think uh, the thinking they have is, you know, we've got to find a way so people aren't frightened. We don't want to have a run on bank after bank after bank. But they're guaranteeing the, the, the deposit in these banks at a level they cannot afford to do if every bank in the country goes through this. If every bank, if this run on bank mentality continues and everyone's charging to the bank and get their money out and pretty soon, and there are stories out there already, people going to the bank and trying to withdraw, you know, some amount they should be able to easily withdraw and the bank not having it or taking a really long time to find it. So 
It, it's a very, very serious crisis time in this country. Um, but it's not just because those two banks failed. That's what I want to kind of segue into to talk about why this crisis is really bigger than those two banks and what policies and kind of mindsets are causing it. Naturally, you know, the Biden administration put out statements right away. All of this is not naturally. It's Trump's fault. It's all Trump's fault uh, because he did some minor deregulation uh, of banking when he was president. I'm going to guess that the same thing, you know, we had the train crash a few weeks ago in Ohio, and right away some of the leftist media tried to say, oh, it's because Trump deregulated and he changed certain regulations. And even the left-wing media, the propaganda media, had to come out and say very quickly after that that it turned out that nothing Trump did on the changing of railway regulations in any way contributed to that train crash. Well, the same, I think, is going to be true of this. I don't think Trump's ch bank changing regulations are what caused a collapse. What caused a collapse is a series of things happening in this country, all really driven by the leftist mindset, the, the leftist um, worldview on a whole host of issues that's all contributing to where we sit today uh, with these two banks. Let's have one other thing about the concept of money and banks before I get into all the details I want to talk about. So, you know, money itself, the, the, if I held up a dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill, you know, it itself inherently has no value. It's just a piece of paper with some ink print, printed on it. But we all as a society have agreed that one dollar has some value. What we all agree, well, a dollar maybe is worth to buy this or five dollars will buy that and a hundred dollars will buy something different. But everything in the entire banking system, the entire monetary system is based on trust. It's based on community trust with each other that we're all going to agree we value the dollar to mean something, to mean this. And, you know, obviously before dollar bills came along and, and coins came along, we bartered and so everyone could agree, okay, you know, a bale of hay for, you know, a bushel of, of corn on the cob or whatever it would be, you could trade things. You could trade things, and that was a barter. You kind of inherently agreed what was uh, had equal value. But with money, you're all just trusting that everybody else in the system is going to trust this dollar bill the same way uh, that you trust this dollar bill. So, um, you know, I'm I'm actually trying to see if my producers no, he's not okay. So, where we got wh why we're in such trouble right now? I mean, there will be a lot of people contributing opinions and contributing facts. I want to share some of the reasons we're really, though, in trouble, um, and they're a little bit they're complex, but why our economy is in trouble, um, and, and part it has to do with the whole uh, woke agenda. It has to do with inflation. It has to do with the woke mindset. It has to do with the um, larger problems, our economy. People don't trust the government. We've been printing money for years and years and years, and I want to just kind of run through how all those impact things. So we have, for example, I believe I sent to Emilio, uh, we had this bank that wanted to fail in California, Silicon Valley Bank, um, had very much been putting out and touting, there we go, he has it up. Uh, basically, this is a tweet, but showing about um, how Silicon Valley Bank was not making their policies or their loans based on you know financial value of the uh, business they were loaning to. The tweet reads, uh, no, please go back to the first thing. The tweet reads, uh, to $5 billion in sustainable finance and carbon neutral operations to support a healthier planet. So that was a statement put out by Silicon Valley Bank. That's how they're going to value things. And I want to just um, go, actually go to the next one, clip three, the one from Charlie Kirk. The, the, the uh, other thing that is, has been in impacting Silicon Valley Bank and others is this idea that instead of using traditional banking um, standards about, you know, who we hire, who we loan to, um, how we evaluate things. They push, as many institutions do, push DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it impacts who they hire, impacts who they'll loan to. And these are non-monetary factors. I'm not going to read that, but I'll, it's on our website if you want to see it. But you can come back to me. The, um, the idea of all this is when you start to substitute the uh, normal calculations for how a bank decides when to loan money and, and whom to hire and who is capable of running a business and who should be in positions of authority and you substitute all of that 
with these standards that have nothing at all to do with the value of an organization, the financial value, you end up making decisions that are not necessarily monetarily wise. And so you have these banks pushing. The other big thing the banks have been pushing has really been forced on them is ESG. And this ESG mindset that has been pushed on so many businesses in America is you're pushing their um, their performance as a company uh, based on whom they hire, you know, which people, who can you check off in your management system that uh, meets diversity standards, uh, your, your compliance with all sorts of Green New Deal and, and climate crisis thinking. And so you shift your analysis to what you think is worthy uh, to, be, to uh, loan money, to have as a, a customer to whom you loan money, to things that, that are just not only not tangible, but by you know many people's uh, assessment, not even valuable. And so these banks are not functioning along the rules, using the rules that govern banking for decades. Instead, they are, are pushed by DEI, ESG, and all sorts of other, and, and just a massive uh, Green New Deal um, uh, push that, that's happening in our country. Compound that with, in our country, uh, we have been pushing the Green New Deal uh, but because Congress couldn't get it passed, calling it the Green New Deal, big portions of it went through uh, under the Biden Inflation Reduction Act. And so you have in our country, the Inflation Reduction Act was, was you know, it's just the typical leftist naming something exactly the opposite of what it does. Um, it drives inflation up. And so you had, and then you have, because of the Green New Deal thinking, you had the Biden administration stridently working to destroy the fossil fuel industry and destroying the production of energy, which contributes to the cost of everything. And so you have the Biden administration pushing the Green New Deal thinking, crushing the fossil fuel industry, it raises prices on everything, causes inflation on everything in the economy, uh, because everything, everything is affected by the price of fossil fuel, every product from manufacturing to delivery is affected many times by the cost of fuel. So it's an artificial creation of inflation in our economy by the crushing of the fossil fuel industry and driving up the cost of actual to get significant, uh, sufficient fuel to drive our economy. So inflation starts getting growing artificially caused by artificially creating fossil fuel shortages, but it drove inflation, drove prices up. And so the Fed, to fight inflation, there the standard policy to bring inflation under control uh, when you are the Fed uh, and you're worried about inflation, like everything costing more than it used to, which is normally driven by customer interest, by consumer interest, consumer buying. And so the usual answer, if inflation seemed to become alarming, the Fed would say, okay, well, now we're going to increase interest rates. But they're increasing interest rates on because of the inflation numbers, but the inflation numbers are not being driven by the normal factors that drive inflation, which is a confident economy, a confident customer base or consumer base, people wanting to buy more and build more and expand their businesses and, and buy a second car and buy a home. All the things that normally drive inflation are utterly absent from the Biden economy. The Biden economy is, is falsely driven into inflation because of the massive suppression of the fossil fuel industry. Our economy is actually weak. Our economy is weak. The citizens' buying power is weak. And therefore, when you raise interest rates, which you would do if it was real inflation or naturally occurring inflation, you raise interest rates, it makes it harder and harder to buy, harder and harder for people to spend money. Now, already, the economy is weak. The people don't have money to spend because things cost too much. And then the Fed's answer is increased interest rates, which only makes matters worse. There are more banking pieces of this, but I wanted, and we're going to get an expert on next Thursday, I dearly hope, who can talk with you about more detail. But I wanted to hit the story today regarding the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and the failure of Guaranteed Bank. And there's a, excuse me, Signature Bank. There's another bank that's apparently about to fail. And... They've had to pause trading in the stock market uh, for, I think it was up to 30 banks because everyone's panicking about the banking system. What the Fed has done to step in right now and say, don't worry, we're going to cover everyone's deposits is a false band-aid on the problem. 
The Fed cannot cover all of the damage that will occur if more and more banks fail. They can't. There just isn't enough money. I mean, they can, you know, run the printing presses all night and manufacture dollars and mail dollars out to everybody. See, see, you got your money back. But the dollar becomes worthless then. They can't, there isn't enough money for the federal government to cover all the losses that would happen if more and more banks cascade into failure after silicon and signature. So the Fed hasn't solved the problem at all. And the real problem for Americans is the Fed hasn't solved the problem because numerous of the underlying conditions, which is the pushing of this lunatic Green New Deal and, and, and lunatic just climate extremism and the crushing of fossil fuels, that has to change. Those are the changes that have to happen, among many others, in order to get the economy back on track, to get the economy actually functioning on you know, normal supply and demand uh, that is, that is the, the hallmark of a free economy, a free market system. The Fed, because these is right now, and in Washington, the leftists are running this country, the, you know, uh, I have a friend who calls them a communo-socialist, but the radical left, the socialists are running this country, and they are going to run the Green New Deal, uh, no matter what happens, and no matter how harmful it is um, to the American people. And the other big danger, I want to float this today, we're going to have to come back to this topic many times, I do want to get to my two other topics. But the other big, big concern, I think, is right now on the bank failure thing is that we've been talking in this country, we've been talking this show about this country, that we are watching a Washington, D.C. government. We are watching the rise of the socialist Marxist left in the form of the Biden administration, completely controlled by Barack Obama, and the whole ilk of leftists who are truly running this country, George Soros, Susan Rice, Biden isn't running anything, but he's doing the bidding of Obama and, those, and, the, and these Marxists. And a primary goal of Marxists as they attempt to take away freedom and take control of a country is to control the banking system and the monetary system. A big risk right now is people on the left who are who were already pushing for the CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, pushing toward getting America to get on board with a, with a central bank currency, a digital currency, to no longer have you know, a dollar bill in your wallet or you know, a change in your wallet. You'll no longer have dollars. You'll have just a credit, a digital currency credit in a system run by the government. Leftists love this. I mean, Lenin wrote about this years ago. The way to get control of a society and take away all their freedom is take control of the healthcare system, take control of the education system, and take control of the banking system. Leftists in this country, most especially including Obama and Biden and all the leftists running this cabal out of Washington, would love nothing more than to have this banking crisis evolve into such a problem that they could paint themselves as they're riding in to rescue America. They're riding in to say, we've got, now is the time. This proves it. We need a central bank digital currency. We need CBDC. There's no other way. We've got to do it. This is what, this is what we will, I, I predict will come if we don't get this, you know, this kind of cascading, potential cascading of bank failure stopped. It is going to legitimize, it's going to uh, justify the left and, and, and the minds of many people who don't really think through how banks work and how freedom works and how free markets work, it'll sound like the, the, the uh, left is be a, uh, being a savior, is saving the country. Thank goodness Biden and team are willing to step in and implement an overnight a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, and take charge of the economy and they'll be able to save us and no more of these banks losing our money, no more of these banks um, you know, uh, possibly causing people to lose their life savings. Don't worry, we'll trust the federal government and they will take care of everything. This is the mindset the left is trying to weave into the hearts and minds of Americans already. It's most definitely the mindset that will emerge as their policy if we're not able to put a stop to this. It'll be like, well, people will think, well, we've got to let them take charge because my gosh, you know, otherwise look what's happened. We've had people lost their life savings. We, we can't let this happen. Let the government be control, in control of the economy. If there's anything and, and of the money supply and how much money you have, and I know I've warned about this before, but this is how you get to the China social credit score system. It's how you get there. 
because once the government has control of your money and they have digital currency, you will very quickly find America going down the path, as China already has, of citizens being told, well, you really can't have access to that money that you earn, your paycheck, or the um, savings you have because you're not up to date on your vaccines. You did something wrong last year in your payment of your taxes. You did something else wrong and the government is going to use its power over your money to make it, uh, you can't, won't be able to get to your own money. It'll be unreachable by you. And the government will have the policies that tell you, well, you know, until you fix X or Y, you don't get to have access to your own money. You may think, I'm gonna tell you, I've been talking about this since, well, since before Biden uh, you know, occupied the White House in January, 2021. We are watching a slow rolling Marxist takedown of America from the Biden administration's decision to abandon the Southern border, to engage in, engage in utter tyranny inflicting on the American people and the military, the forcing of vaccines and other uh, limit, other controls over you because of COVID. The Biden administration's intentional weakening of America's military, intentional weakening of America's military. We're watching America be destroyed right in front of us. And if the Biden administration can use this crisis to justify more government control over banks, more government control over your money and how you hold your money and push you and your fellow Americans into a digital currency situation. It's a massive, massive win for the radical Marxists and a loss for the American people, a loss of our freedom. It's a very serious time. Uh, I, I, there are many more things I could talk about in terms of the Fed's conduct. I'm gonna wait for another day to get to it. I'll see how things shake out over the next few weeks, but it's important to understand this um, it's a it's a structure that's been in place a long time of how the Fed you know controls banks and what they're willing to cover, but if their conduct so far in just saying we'll bail out everybody in these banks regardless of how badly the bank behaved, and regardless of the fact that we can't possibly do that for all banks in America, um, and they're not talking about cutting back on their Green New Deal lunacy, and they're not talking about all the things that are driving inflation, which is really among the central things is the left determination to destroy fossil fuels and the fossil fuel industry, which inherently necessarily drives up the cost of energy. If none of that's on the table, they have no long-term path to stop this dangerous collapse of America's banking system. I will come back to this more and one hit two of the topics say, if I can. Uh, one is, um, this is, um, I, I call it the house, meaning the US house, uh, discovers the CCP money went into Biden's account. And I got to tell you something, folks. If you, uh, this is the only show I'm doing from home this week. I'll be doing it in the studio the rest of the week, including Thursday. On Thursday's show, our guest is named Garrett Ziegler. This will be a stunning and great interview. I want to show you his book. Uh, it, it, first of all, here's the side of his book. It's this thick. But this is Garrett Ziegler's book. I'm going to put it where you can see it in the screen. Uh, and then I will, so that is his book. It is called Report on the Biden Laptop, Marco Polo. So Garrett Ziegler worked in the Trump White House um, under Peter Navarro, and he has actually read and, and organized into logical uh, topic matters everything in Hunter Biden's laptop. And the reason this ties into everything we're talking about today uh, is that what you can discern, leaving aside the disgusting and lurid things that are part of the Hunter Biden laptop, what he is um, uncovering is this idea that in just within the context, just within the context of what's in the Hunter Biden laptop, emails written by Hunter Biden, emails to and from Hunter Biden, there are hundreds of felonies. Like these are like written confessions, practically written confessions of felonies, right in the Hunter Biden laptop. And as he points out near the beginning of this of this really thick book, and no one in the government cares. No one in the government cares. No one is doing anything about this. So what he did in this book, he wrote out, and we're going to go over in this interview on Thursday, exactly what um, what he discovered was actually in the Hunter Biden laptop. Because you hear people say all the time, well, yeah, you know, Biden's corrupt. Well, yeah, you know, he's, a, um, you know, uh, there's, he's compromised by China. People 
Friends, you have no idea how completely corrupted the Biden family is by the CCP. No idea. You'll hear more on Thursday. Today, so I'll just kind of tease it to say that the House Oversight Committee, you know, the Republicans thin majority in the House, the House Oversight Committee, uh, the chair is named James Comer. He's from Kentucky, I think. Yeah, Republican from Kentucky. So he, James Comer, and they're working in this House Oversight Committee, uh, looking into a lot of issues that, of course, we would never, never, ever hear about. Never hear about if the Democrats were still in charge of Congress. And Comer's statement, he was interviewed on Maria Bartiromo's show on Fox on Sunday morning. And his statement, you know, so she said, I guess he was on the show two weeks ago. He said, you know, uh, so what's happened the last two weeks? She asked him. He says, <clears throat> these are his words. In the last two weeks, we've met with either of these individuals personally, individuals who are now stepping forward to give them information, um, or with their attorneys. And that'd be four individuals, four individuals who had ties with the Biden family in their various schemes around the world. And these are the important words that James Comer said. So now we have in hand documents that show just exactly how the Biden family was getting money from the Chinese Communist Party. I'm gonna tell you, James Comer, he is a reserved man. He is not someone to go out wildly make accusations or overstate his case, certainly in public and on a national news program. So James Comer, documents in hand, as, as to say, has the goods, documents in hand, he is saying, um, that they have, they have proof now in the documents they've been able to obtain in the House Oversight Committee that money flowed directly from the Chinese Communist Party to the Biden family. You'll hear more about this on Thursday. I am sure that, that we have Garrett Ziegler on coming to talk about the report in the bottom left. In fact, I skimmed a lot of it last night. You can see that there's mountains of information directly involving China. But back to what Comer's saying. So he's saying, now we now have the goods. We have the goods on President Biden, Hunter Biden, the Biden family, and the money flowing directly to the Biden family from the CCP. And he added, it is as bad as we thought. It is as bad as we thought. And here's what I want to say about that. A couple of points I want you to consider. Uh, number one, if you don't know this, you should know it if you're, you know, listening to news all the time. The number one enemy of America in the world today, the number one enemy of freedom, the number one enemy of capitalism and freedom and everything good of Western civilization is China. China has openly stated, openly stated, they intend to take down America. They, they don't hide it. They say it. They have been working for decades to undermine our economy, to fill our society with spies, to send Confucius Institutes to uh, universities around the country, to spread communism as a beautiful idea. They have been working to undermine America in our trade agreements, uh, stealing copyrighted materials, uh, infringing on our patents. I mean, they've been doing everything conceivable as dishonestly as possible to undermine America, to weaken America, at a time Biden is practically destroying America's military. I mean, really weakening it to the point of absurdity. And the communist Chinese are building their military up and the Chinese communists say they want to bring America down. And he who occupies the White House, as we now know, he who occupies the White House, his family has been grotesquely enriched directly the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, it's like the Nazis, Hitler funding America, funding some somebody in America, some high official during World War II and thinking, oh yeah, we're still fighting for, you know, end the Nazis and, and you know, end World War II. But at the same time, the leader of our forces, whoever would have been, was receiving money from the Nazis. I mean, you would say, that was crazy because once people in Congress found out, they would remove that person. They'd remove that general or whoever it was or the president. They'd remove anybody. So here we sit in 2023, China is looming their desire to take down America. 
In fact, if you didn't hear the interview on my show a few weeks ago, Bradley Thayer, a Thursday show a couple of weeks ago, I urge you to listen to that because he brought the goods big time on what China is doing to America, how far advanced their plan is to remove America as the world's single superpower, to literally take down America. And here we sit, here we sit in 2023, and now James Comer, the entire Congress, the entire power cabal in Washington, everyone now knows that the CCP is directly funding, sending money to the Biden family Biden sits in the Oval Office as though he's actually on America's side. And who in the world is going to hold him accountable? I want you to think about that. Who's going, I mean, he shouldn't be serving as dog catcher in Rhode Island or Delaware. He shouldn't be serving in any position of authority whatsoever. But he's the president of the United States and his family is receiving money from China. And just think about how, what is it we would do? So say you had a majority of the Congress, Republicans in the House saying, Biden is compromised, he can't be president. In fact, my friend, Sam Faddis, brilliant former CIA guy, Sam Faddis has referred to Joe Biden as a controlled asset of the CCP. He says it that bluntly, Joe Biden is a controlled asset of the CCP. So what do we do? We have the U.S. House may have a slim majority of Republicans who might be willing to say, hey, this is a pretty serious problem. Seems like Joe Biden isn't fit to serve. Seems like he should be asked to step down. Seems like he should resign. I mean, where is even the sense of honor in Joe Biden to say, well, now that you all know our family got greatly enriched by the CCP, maybe I should resign. He's not going to resign. And the propaganda media in Washington which includes pretty much everyone in the media, New York Times, Washington Post, every big major, major newspaper outlet, every big television, ABC, CBS, NBC, all of them are going to downplay the story. It, if it makes their, their headlines at all, it'll be gone tomorrow. But we just learned from the head of the oversight committee from documents he's talking about reading from, money directly flowed from the CCP into the Biden family coffers. Now, I want you to think about something. Remember when Donald Trump was running for president, 2015 and 2016, and Hillary Clinton's campaign cooked up the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax, cooked up the story themselves. Hillary Clinton's campaign cooked up a lie to claim that Trump was somehow compromised by the Russians. You know, there was some kind of, you know, Trump-Russia collusion was going on. Hillary cooked up that campaign herself, that whole lie herself. It gets spread around. It gets spread all the way through Fusion GPS and ultimately makes its way into a massive investigation by Mueller, by the FBI, the DOJ weighing in. I mean, everybody claiming that Trump, that Trump-Russia collusion was going on. It turned out to be 100% false. Mueller finally had to go on national television. And sadly, by that point, he was, his mental capacity was greatly diminished. He wasn't very coherent. But he had to say, after two and a half years and millions and millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of hours investigation, there's not one shred of evidence that there was ever any collusion between Trump and Russia. That's what Mueller had to do. And yet, you know, the American public was treated for the entire Trump presidency, even after Mueller finally said, there's nothing there, there was nothing, you know, we, we, sorry, there's nothing to this at all. You still had headlines. You still had the news outlets, some of them trying to say, well, maybe they just couldn't find the uh, collusion. Who knows? We had the media in hysterics for two and a half years over a lie about Trump-Russia collusion and now that same propaganda media has right in their hot little hands, right in front of them, right in front of them, they have the evidence because this was openly stated and proven by documents that have been obtained by the House Oversight Committee that the CCP, the actual biggest enemy of America, the truest and most dangerous enemy of America, the most imminent enemy of America, is sending money directly to the Biden family 
And I'm telling you folks, James Comer would not say this unless it was flat out solidly shown. And you have, so far as I've seen today, crickets, every single propaganda media outlet, every one of them, ABC, NBC, CBS, the whole alphabet soup. On top of that, Washington Post, New York Times, all of them, it's going to become a story that they'll bury if they even cover it at all. You know, uh, on the last page underneath the one ads, they may throw out, oh, some crazy conspiracy theory out there is claiming Biden got money from the CCP, when in fact the evidence exists. The House chair of the Oversight Committee has said so. This book that you're going to hear more about when we our, our Thursday interview, reporting the Biden laptop, has more information. And this I'm getting around to saying is what among probably the most dangerous things that are reality on the ground in America is that millions of Americans, millions of Americans see what is happening. Millions of Americans are following what the House is doing. They're reading articles that tell them what's happened. They tell them James Comer is saying they're watching Maria Bartiroma and other, other news outlets. And they're looking at the federal government. They're looking at the House and the Senate and saying, who is going to remove this man? Who's going to do that? Who has the courage? The Democrats won't do it because they never let go of power. They, they have made so much progress in the Marxist takedown of America under Biden. And the Republicans, sadly, many of them are compromised by China also, in particular, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, you know, who I won't even, I mean, Mitch McConnell, who was the majority leader, the minority leader in the Senate, this is a guy who has made millions and millions, literally gotten rich on China, along with his wife, Elaine Chow, through Elaine Chow's father's business over there, uh, which is a shipping industry. I'm going to tell you the name of it in just a moment. Um, Fremont, I think it is. Um, yeah, I think, anyway, his wife, Elaine Chow, they have a shipping industry, shipping company, and they have made millions and millions out of China. And they and, and she still has her family's uh, Chinese business uh, set up going on over there. And there's just, there's not going to be a peep, a peep out of Mitch McConnell, or frankly, probably most Republicans in the Senate. I'd love a few of them to speak up at this point. It'd be great if Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, I mean, any of them that have any kind of, um, you know, willingness to speak up, we speak up and say, this must simply end. This, this, I mean, but you won't do it. And what I'm getting at, and I start off by saying, I really do think we're getting to a time where the anger level of the American people and the open corruption of the Biden administration, top to bottom, hook, line, and sinker corruption, the American people are waiting for someone in authority to do something. To, to say, actually, Biden, he really can't be serving uh, as president because he's been compromised um, by his, um, by, by the uh, CCP. He's, he is a controlled asset. They've had the evidence of the, of the laptop. The FBI's had it since before the election. They could be looking into it. They're apparently not at all. I mean, what one of the laments is in this book by uh, Garrett Ziegler is, the FBI has had Hunter Biden's laptop and therefore evidence of the Biden family corruption sitting in their offices and done nothing. And here we are now, the American people know, I'm telling you people, the, the level of outrage, frustration, and just, I mean, almost just kind of, shaking your head about how in the world could we have gotten to this place? I mean, how could we be at the place where we have the most corrupt president in American history floating along in his, you know, whatever, continuing to do whatever he does, and we, China's a growing threat, he's not going to do anything about it, and no one speaks up. People, if someone wrote a story, like a fictional book about this, or someone made a movie, a, a fiction movie, and, and portrayed the leader of the most powerful country in the world is utterly compromised by the biggest enemy of that country. And no one in the entire 
administration, no one in power in Washington was willing to say he's got to go. People would say, well, that's a stupid plot in a book. That's a silly plot for a movie. That could never happen. But it isn't, in fact, sadly, my friends, exactly where we are. It's mind-blowing. One more quick thing, kind of fun thing I'll tell you. Uh, so Donald Trump made a song. Yeah, huh? Donald Trump uh, is it, actually reached number one on iTunes. And I'm going to quickly have Emilio play that, and then we'll talk about it. to the flag of the United States of America. Okay, you better cut it off. You can cut it off. I got to finish this thing. Okay, very quickly for our radio listeners, you're about to go off. Come back tomorrow for another American Can We Talk. For everybody else, what you're listening to is Donald Trump made a song. And that those people in the background singing the national anthem are the prisoners of the J6 prisoners, the people still sitting in prison, still sitting in prison over January 6th, despite what we've all learned about January 6th, despite what Tucker Carlson's release despite that we now know how much complicity there was and all sorts of, of bad actors. And what you have is those uh, prisoners singing the national anthem interspersed with Donald Trump uh, saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm telling you people, this is powerful marketing by Donald Trump because he's calling attention to, the, attention to the January 6th prisoners, the corruption of the Biden administration, the outlandish third world level evil of our justice system going after these people and showing again, he has a bravery to speak up. Um, and he has already said at this point, given now we know what happened on January 6th, uh, that those prisoners should be released. Okay, friends, uh, we're out of time as we often get to this point too fast. So at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we were talking about Naomi Wolf and MAGA apologizes. Naomi Wolf, a high profile liberal intellectual feminist Bill Clinton advisor, Rhodes Scholar, stunned by Pfizer's behavior in willfully concealing vaccine-related adverse events, documented in her daily cloud ebook, Pfizer Documents Analysis Reports. Tucker Carlson's J6 video presentation also stunned her. Lies of big pharma, no different than lies of big government and big media. She now sees Russia collusion, Steele dossier, the P-tape, Hunter Biden laptop, J6 insurrection stories in an entirely different light, that of leftism's lies. Naomi Wolf penned a heartfelt apology to conservatives, Republicans, and MAGA for being taken in by the lies of NPR, MSNBC, and New York Times. Wolf proves integrity and conscience are not dead. If she can wake up and apologize, there's hope for honest, intelligent reconciliation and progress via truth. And Silicon Valley Bank Bank, domino danger, or nick of time warning, Biden climate change policies are driving fossil fuel shortages and therefore price increases, which is driving inflation across supply chains. The U.S. economy is actually weak. Inflation is not from strong demand for money, i.e. loans. Biden's Fed is fighting inflation by raising interest rates, which makes the economy weaker. Higher interest rates are paid by U.S. Treasury cause fixed rate bonds to drop in value and drive bank depositors out of the bank into U.S. Treasuries, thereby creating run on the bank. I'll go more into that detail. I didn't get to that aspect of it today. SVB's portfolio of fixed rate bonds lost billions in volume. SVB saw 42 billion deposits leave the bank in one day last week. Result, instantaneous SVB insolvency and closure. The Fed backstopping of all deposits intended to stop bank-run contagion that cannot be sustained for the entire banking system it is potentially unlimited money-printing bailout that will increase inflation, 
A path out of this crisis has not been established and it can't be established without addressing the fossil fuel lunacy of the left. House discovers CCP money went to Biden's account. House Rep James Comer now has the receipts, documented evidence of money flowing from the CCP to the Biden family. Considering three years of media dem <clears throat> hysteria over possibility of Trump as compromised Russian agent. No evidence ever uncovered that Trump was compromised by Russia. Yet Biden now unequivocally confirmed compromised by evidentiary paper trail to be compromised by the CCP. Media, Dems, FBI, DOJ, silence. Hypocrisy and double standards do not begin to capture the outrage of honest American patriots of, at this situation. America cannot be restored unless and until this vile level of injustice and lack of integrity is rectified. And on Trump's J6 song, J6 prisoners singing the national anthem against a backdrop of Trump reciting Pledge of Allegiance became number one song on iTunes. Yes, it's just one anecdote. There's one way to see. There's a huge reservoir of American patriots eager to show their patriotism loyalty and fidelity to American ideals runs deep among J6 protesters and prisoners. They are not insurrectionists and they never were. First legal moves made to free J6 prisoners from DOJ FBI misbehavior withholding evidence, judges must respond with righteous rebuke of the DOJ and the FBI, ASAP. J6 prisoner treatment will forever be a stain on US history Garland and Ray have no excuse. They have culpability. U.S. Judge Royce Lambert should order the release of Jacob Chansley. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I'm doing this show Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week from the professional studios downtown, my usual studio. And for today, I want to thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do America Can We Talk to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America Can We Talk? Truth about America. Can you hear us now?